1: Hey everyone, welcome to Roll for Combat. I'm your GM and host, Steven Glicker, and in this week's show, the boys finally finish book two of The Dead Son's Adventure Path, and they start on book three. They also hit a milestone. They hit level five, which we're going to find out is a big, big upgrade from level four. Also this week, my GM PC tip is why you should always let your PCs have a couple of really easy fights. So for those of you brand new to this podcast, welcome. We are an actual play podcast where we play the Starfinder Dead Sons Adventure Path. As you heard, we are up to book three out of six books. In addition, we also play Starfinder Society Games. We also play Pathfinder Playtest Society Games. And we have lots of interviews from people from Paizo. Pretty much anything to do with Starfinder or Pathfinder you'll find on this show, although currently we have an emphasis on Starfinder. Now for those of you who are brand new and joining us, this is an episode where we're going to be doing a recap of what has happened from episodes 1 to 47 also known as Books 1 and 2 of The Dead Son's Adventure Path. So if you just want to jump right in and don't want to listen to all those other episodes, which I completely understand, because that's like 60 hours of podcast that you might not want to listen to, you might just want to jump right into the story, I got a treat for you. We have a complete recap of everything that has happened since Book 1. And for those of you who don't want to listen to this... It is about eight minutes long, so you can just skip forward once it starts, eight minutes, and you'll get right back to me, and then you could start listening to this week's episode. So with that,
0: take it away, voiceover guy. Thanks, Steven. The Roll for Combat Adventure begins with our four heroes. Hirogi, the Lashunta operative, Rusty, the human envoy, Mo, the Vask soldier, and Tuttle, the Yoxi mechanic and his battle drone, Cheddar traveling in a small space shuttle heading towards Absalom Station. These four have decided to leave their past lives behind and start a new chapter by joining the Starfinder Society, an organization focusing on unraveling the mysteries of the universe. Meanwhile, Absalom Station is all abuzz, with rumors about a deserted ship named the Acreon arriving from hyperspace and towing behind it a mysterious asteroid, dubbed the Drift Rock. As soon as this ghost ship and massive asteroid appear, they are both placed under strict quarantine, which only further intensifies the rumors about these puzzling objects. Back at the shuttle, our heroes land on Absalom Station and step right into the middle of a gang war, where their Starfinder contact is murdered right before their eyes. Soon they learn that this gang war is actually a proxy war between two larger factions, the Hardscrabble Collective, the scrappy mining clan that owns the Ghost Ship Acrion, and Astral Extractions, the large shady corporation that hired the Acrion to explore unknown regions of deep space. With both factions vying to claim the Acrion and the Driftrock, The Starfinder Society assigns our heroes to investigate the death of their contact and how he was involved with this gang war. After exploring some of Absalom Station, our heroes discover and explore the gang's hideouts and reach an accord with both gangs. The one representing the Hardscrabble Collective they befriend, while the gang representing Astral Extractions, they find their assassin and bring the gang down the only way they know by sheer force. With the society assassin dealt with, our heroes successfully accomplish their first ever mission. But there is little rest for our heroes as they are soon approached by a mysterious figure, an enigmatic and powerful undead bureaucrat named Gavalarsk Noor. Nor explains to our heroes that he's the ambassador from the undead world of Eox on Absalom Station and has been brought into service to act as a mediator between the two warring factions. After witnessing their quick work with the gangs, he offers our heroes a new job, explore the Acreon and the Driftrock, learn what happened to the crew, and help him determine who should gain salvage rights to the Driftrock, the Hard Scrabble Collective, or Astral Extractions. Our heroes quickly accept and take a shuttle to the quarantined Acreon but not before one of the warring factions sends a ship to attack them en route, giving them their first taste of starship combat. After a brief battle, our heroes drive off the small vessel and land on the ghost ship. There, they find no trace of the mining ship's crew, but do find the cargo ship infested with alien monsters and opportunistic goblin scavengers. After thoroughly searching the Acreon with none of the crew to be found, our heroes decide to continue their exploration onto the Drift Rock, which they discover to their surprise to be honeycombed with odd tunnels and rooms. Exploring the alien passageways, they learn the final fate of the Acreon's crew. All were either brutally murdered or transformed into horrific void zombies. Going methodically from room to room, our heroes make quick work of these undead abominations and also befriend a would-be android assassin. Eventually, our heroes discover a huge docking bay inside the asteroid and learn that the drift rock is an incredibly ancient fragment of some larger alien structure or artifact, perhaps a weapon or megastructure, though its exact nature remains an enigma. They also discover an abandoned, long-lost ship, the Sunrise Maiden, a ship lost in hyperspace over 75 years ago, which they quickly claim for themselves. With their work done, they leave the Drift Rock in their new starship, only to come under attack from a mysterious ship. Battling their way off the Drift Rock, our heroes discover that the exiled corpse fleet of Eox was behind the attack. Why the attack, our heroes have no idea but it appears that more and more people are becoming interested in this Drift Rock and where it came from. Eager for more information about the Drift Rock's origins, the Starfinder Society sends them on their next task, a trip to the planet Castrovel, home of some of the best universities in the Pact Worlds, so that they can try to learn about the alien symbols found throughout the Drift Rock. Arriving at Kabarat University of Xenoarchaeology and Xenoanthropology on Castorvel, our heroes have to navigate the politics of academia, which turns out to be trickier than fighting off undead alien horrors. However, with their newfound fame as the Drift Rock Explorers, our heroes manage to convince the university to help them in their research. Eventually, our heroes uncover an obscure pre-gap reference connecting the alien symbols. Deep in the heart of the untamed Castravel jungles might be an ancient, forgotten, elven temple city called the Temple of the Twelve, which had supposedly found evidence of an advanced extraterrestrial civilization long ago. In search of the Temple of the Twelve, our heroes embark on an overland journey through the teeming jungles of Castravel's western continent, after suffering a stampede of dinosaur titans, dangerous flora and fauna, poisonous mold storms, and invisible beasts, our heroes face their true nemesis, members of the Cult of the Devourer. This doomsday cult are likewise interested in the Driftrock secrets and followed our heroes to Castrovell in search of the same secrets. Upon reaching the abandoned and overgrown Elven temple city, our heroes must contend with devourer cultists who have taken over much of the crumbling ruins. After several fights, our heroes defeat the cultists and rescue a kidnapped doctor from the university. With the doctor's help, our heroes learn that these ancient elves had discovered an almost unimaginably immense megastructure called the Gate of Twelve Suns, which relates in some way to the drift rock and, potentially, to an ancient alien super weapon. Unfortunately, the Cult of the Devourer is now also looking for the Gate of Twelve Suns, and though our heroes might have defeated the cult's agents on Castravel, those cultists were receiving their orders from a secret asteroid base in the Diaspora, and it appears those cultists now have a head start on our heroes in finding this Gate of Twelve Suns. A big head start. We join our heroes now, fresh off their victory at the Temple of the Twelve, racing to find the hidden Devourer base in the Diaspora before they can find the Gate of Twelve Suns and potentially destroy the galaxy. Hey, thanks, voiceover
1: guy. So there we go. There is the recap of books one and two. 47 episodes packed down into eight minutes. I'm very curious what that's going to be like when we get to book five and six. Hopefully I can still keep it down or that recap might be like an hour long because there's a lot going to be going on in the near future. Anyhow, with that, let's jump right into book three. So last we left off, you guys finished up the adventure. The Last Adventure, and now you are starting book three, Splintered Worlds, and a lot happened. You found the bad guys, defeated the cult, rescued Solstarney, came back to the university, went to sleep, leveled up. Now you're level five, and wow, I have to say... Phew, we're done. You're done. That's it. New, New Adventure Path will start something next week.
2: What?
1: Now, you guys between level four and level five is a huge level because first you get four pluses to your stats. You increase four of your stats by plus two. And you you just guys got really powerful. Like every level you always level up and I look at your characters, but I couldn't believe the jump. You guys got everything. You got more resolve points, way more hit points, way more stamina points, way more everything. It just became like a whole new tier, if you will. Why why don't you guys tell or review, since none of you know what you leveled up or how you look and feel this morning, and you meet up in the university, why don't you say what what you improved upon to make yourselves that much better for the team?
2: Well, the university, I think, has been good to all of us. I think we all picked up a few languages.
0: John Statz is playing the Vesk soldier, Mo Dupinski. Uh, That'll definitely help
2: out with Rusty when he tries to buff bluff people. Well, no, <laughs> why,
3: why don't you start? And I don't know what you mean about bluff, but, uh, why don't you go? Oh. Ahead and
2: Oh, <laughs> I heard a tall tale when I heard was on the mountaintop last time. So I picked up, uh, I picked up some strength. I needed a little bit of strength. I'm only 21 strength. So, uh, Mo, most getting a little bit, uh, but he cannot afford the new strength upgrade, which is 7,500 credits, I believe. So, uh, that that that's that that's something he's saving money for, so he hasn't spent anything. But uh, uh, strength, intelligence, constitution make me a little bit more durable, and um, I think dexterity was the other thing that. Wait I a second,
1: up. intelligence? Are you telling me the university actually worked? Mo actually got a little bit smarter. Yeah, it actually worked on Mo. He picked up a,
2: a culture, uh, so he can do knowledge checks on. Uh, Military matters um, he actually is not in the negatives uh, for intelligence, so uh, he can help out with mysticism, you know
1: not too crazy but uh it's uh it was it was good it's high enough that you can defeat Chris once in a while, which will be oh so embarrassing oh,
2: i don't know about that i don't know about that uh, yeah the we have some skills monkeys their their skills are pretty high and i also got a feat uh i got a uh, I got a new uh feat what was what was my feet i picked up um my feats are cleave which i've yet to use i've only had one opportunity to use it and i kind of missed it yeah for some reason all our uh all our opponents mysteriously are not adjacent to one another so uh uh i cleave has been useless uh coordinated shot has been very good so far uh but then the rest is uh weapon focus uh weapon specialization and vertical focus which all synergize next to one another so i'm pretty uh i get benefits for every single weapon and obviously i can use every single weapon so uh that's mo nice why
1: don't you go next mr operative
0: all right Chris Beamer is playing the Loshunta operative, Hiroji. Well, Hiroji also is working on his three-year
4: degree and uh, has picked up an unusual language since he already has Elvin, Elvish. He picked up Drow just for the heck of it so he can speak. Nice. Probably never run into a Drow, but whatever. Um, yeah, he got much more nimble, tougher, smarter, and more charismatic um uh, skills are all over the place got a little bit of everything but uh a couple of big things does have i'm focusing on the uh the whole sort of mobility theme for this character for hiroji's um, mobility is feats that sort of go into that one is this new one this nimble moves so uh he can ignore 20 feet of difficult terrain uh seems to be something we run into a lot of so uh, after that experience with that uh, field of difficult terrain, we had to run across while getting sniped at. He's, he, he wanted to train with that allows him to take guarded steps in difficult terrain too, which is nice. But also uh, gets to uh, have something called a cloaking field, which is think predator, think the uh, invisibility shield that Predator ah, has. Nice. It, it literally is that, and uh, it allows him to like use stealth like in plain sight, and just it's very good. And it recharges, so it's like you've got a number of rounds, but then it recharges throughout the day, like one round per minute comes back. And as far as offense, Trick Attack is where where it's at now. It's going to be Trick Attack uh, all day and all night, because he does now do an additional 3d8 damage on Trick Attack. 3d8? Yes. Yes.
2: Oh, so that means three.
4: That means 3d8. Yeah,
2: three extra
3: damage. So so with his junky
4: little arc pistol, if he hits with the arc pistol, trick attack, he'll do 1d6 plus 3d8 plus two damage.
1: If you
3: hit. And John, that was very insulting. It's an average over the course of it, so sometimes he's going to do four damage, maybe even up to four and five.
4: Uh, It's impossible to do four if I hit. It'll be
3: six Eh, minimum. Eh, I believe four.
1: (laughs) I, I believe there'll be damage mitigation, and you'll end up, You'll do what you did last time. You were the only person I've ever known to actually heal the enemy more than <laughs> oh, once. More than once. I
4: oh. That's exactly right. And then, um, yeah, I didn't really... I need an upgrade to my weapon. Definitely. I need a new, a new pistol is what I need. But I don't have a lot of money, so I didn't do that. Uh, but I do have some cool jump jets attached to my armor now, so that's kind of cool. They're kind of limited, but it does give you a little, like, jump boost
0: and uh, 30 feet flight... And that's pretty much it. Um, I'll go. Bob Marquis is playing the human envoy, Rusty Carter.
3: Uh, look, I, I think it's great that you all learned so much. Uh, so, But Rusty tell, explains to you all in Perfect Elvish that, honestly, he's the same person that he ever was. <laughs> I mean, it's, he's, he's, you know, look, when you're doing things right all along, there's really no reason to actually develop any new skills. Now, I didn't pick up one of those jump jet things, but... Otherwise, honestly, I'm really no different than than I've ever been before. Actually, it's you know I'm just the same extraordinarily competent, you know, combat fighter, diplomat, extraordinaire, swashbuckler, operative, soldier, technomage that I've always been. And I think that's actually just what you should all expect. What? And I'd like to roll my bluff against the party right now. Oh,
1: I heard something about technomage. Oh my uh, god! Let me
3: add it. Let me add a D six to that. Hold on.
2: Oh, he rolled a 19. Okay, that's
3: 37 bluff, uh, and that's my explanation to the party. Uh all right. Uh,
2: so what?
3: You're techno mage now. I do I get a will save against this? Uh well, soldier operative, techno sense motive. I mean, don't, don't worry. Yeah, you should sense motive. Go right ahead.
1: Right, I'll try. Seven. Bu- wow. Wow.
3: Okay, Mo, you actually worship me as a god right now. I've got a five-cents motive, and I have a 37 bluff. You actually think that I am your master. I hear right. techno mage, and Mo backs off a little bit. But look, guys, I'm the same guy i always been. I'm just here to lead you, and I got your backs, you know, from the front. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. That's fine, and, you know, I'm the same one that I really have ever been. And, I'll, oh, I also picked up this little elvish language, but, and I also picked up, no, no, I... No, Are you able to? You d- I don't want to tell you guys that I learned Eoxian. Never mind. Ignore that. Oh, I, yes. I I only speak Elvish, and that's the only thing that I speak. Uh, I so
4: speak Eoxian it. also, by the way.
3: I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know anything about Eoxian. Uh, that's fine. But at any rate, that's that's I leveled up in uh, about four levels since last time we uh, we uh, talked yesterday. Can
4: you do any damage? Is the question.
3: I've always oh. done extraordinary. Oh. I've actually been letting you all know that basically, you know, Mo and I have killed pretty much, I think, 80% of all the creatures we've ever run across. And I've certainly gotten the kill shot on, well, about 50%. Hold on, let me do another bluff check. One second.
2: All right. Moe's not even in a tricep. He believes this. Uh,
3: I'm going to re-roll that one. Hold on a second.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. He rolls a five for a 21 bluff check.
3: Okay, there's a 28 bluff on that one. That's one. Uh, Sorry, yeah, Hiroji believes. Uh, cleared it by two just, ranks also
1: we're just gonna call rusty dragon slayer from now on yes i
3: oh did i tell you that story about when i killed a dragon oh well i didn't know it had gotten back to you all i mean i've been a dragon slayer <laughs> for quite some time but i actually didn't know that my uh, reputation had preceded me Wow, well, i guess it does
4: you're gonna be doing a lot of the talking
3: well yeah. i mean i'm a peaceful man i certainly rather talk my way out of a problem than actually ever engage in violence
4: That's you talk real fancy
3: well, we got something uh, for
2: the front of the party, at least. But we'll have some company.
3: Sure, that's great. I'm always right there at your side.
1: What about uh, poor Tuttle, who's just sitting there quietly? Well, Tuttle's choices were um, sort of more geared towards solving past problems, maybe. Um, also, p- possible future problems.
0: Jason McDonald is playing the Yosoki mechanic, Tuttle Blacktail. And his drone Cheddar.
1: Stats wise, I went with the most useful, like most combat useful stats. I went strength so he could carry more stuff. Dex, Con, Intelligence. So I kind of, I kind of played it safe on stats. Um, but then let's see. For his feat, he took technomatic da- Dabbling, so he now knows a few technomancer spells, just like a couple cantrips. And the one that I thought would be useful would be uh, Comprehend Languages. So he can now, theoretically, it probably, you know, though you are lucky, it probably still won't work on the alien writing, but, you know, it might be it might come in useful at some point. I thought about taking Magic Missile, but I didn't think it would scale all that well. He also uh, finally gave in to the uh, prevailing winds of this adventure and took a level in mysticism, much, you know, with some grumbling. He's not really a fan, but he's kind of recognized the usefulness of it. He also got an augmentation Based on his near-death experience climbing the the uh, temple of the twelve, he took climbing suckers. Oh, nice! So he now has he now has little climbing suckers in his <laughs> paws. So he uh, has a, a climb speed of I think twenty. Nice. And that's basically Tuttle Cheddar. Only got one thing, but it is it. it, it we bring in an exciting new era: the era of the riding saddle. So. <laughs> Get ready! Get ready for your like Napoleon on horseback painting of Cheddar, of and Cheddar riding into battle together because
4: awesome. because
1: Cheddar now has the riding saddle. Nice. I figure. I figure. I mean, pragmatically, it kind of helps with the whole movement issue, where uh, you know I have to choose whether to move me or move him. Now I can just hop on board and we can move both to, both of us together. I
4: shall now call so. you Master Blaster.
1: So, those are those are the main changes to the Tuttle Cheddar combo this level. So, Tuttle Cheddar Master Blaster—they are now one entity. Margot, on uh,
3: which one of you is Master? Which one is Blaster? I'm just checking.
1: Uh, I believe I'm still the Master in this relationship. Excellent. Okay. You see, even just from the fans, might disagree, but I, I like to think I'm still in charge. I'm so happy you chose that because. It's just gonna be, it's just such a funny sight to see Tuttle sitting on Cheddar, who's like half-goblin with chainsaw wings. It's just nuts. It's just this... It's, the optics it's, alone were worth the, worth, worth the choice. I, it's like, you, you started out so normal, you had like this battle drone, you were like this professor, now you have a half-goblin, half-robot. You're learning mysticism. You're riding in the battle. Like, what is going on? What is go- You're You're Buckaroo Bonsai, man. What the hell? You've, you've gone insane. Wait till we're, like, level 15 or something. You'll he'll be, he'll be barely recognizable. No, he's going go back to the university. Like, It's going to be like when the hobbits go back to the sh- Shire. It's like, who is <laughs> <Yeah>. this guy? <laughs> they're not going to recognize he's you. He's mystic and... I mean, you even took some technomancy. That's insane. Little spells. Little. Finally, magic. Oh my god! First time ever, except for rusty. But just of course. Like, it was just like the utility ones. I took like the psychokinetic hand, and I took a telepathic message as the as the cantrip ones, and then I took um, comprehend languages as the actual level one spell. Now the hand is cool because you can play a lot of pranks with that hand. Let me tell you. Um,
2: can you do spellcrafting? Yeah, he has mysticism. Oh,
1: Anyone okay. who has mysticism can do Oh, really? That. Is that what it is? Oh, yes. okay.
2: Yep. All right. Well, Mo took that.
1: Mo can do spellcraft.
2: Even spell Mo right has there. a chance of I helping know. you out.
1: But hey. yeah, after all these moments where does anybody have mysticism and going to sit here saying no, I figured I finally should take a level.
2: If it's good enough for Tuttle, then it's good enough for
1: me.
4: Well, I have three uh, ranks in mysticism.
3: In, uh, in Discord, I've uploaded, a, I think, an artist representation of you and Cheddar. Uh, now that you have your new ability from the movie Labyrinth, it's obviously the knight.
1: Oh my god, that is genius. The Labyrinth, the knight on the... Um...
3: Yeah, he's, he's the little tiny guy who rides on the dog.
1: Right, on the dog. <laughs> That's totally you. That's, I'm, I'm going to change your picture to that. Yes. <laughs> and he was like the most annoying guy in Labyrinth, too.
3: Oh yes, and the least effective as well. He was the, the Don Quixote of him.
1: Zoe, so, what are these suckers you got, Jason? I actually, oh, climbing suckers. They actually give me climbing. Cool. Because I figure since climbing is strength-based, I'm never going to be good at it, so I might as well get some help.
3: Oh, I forgot to say, Dr. Tuttle, the the, the cow got out. Should we close the barn door now? Should, should we close that door?
1: There There is a little bit of that. I had a twinge of guilt when I was like, boy, I just basically made a really good character for the module, we, for the adventure path we just <laughs> finished.
3: Just one module behind. I also realized that I had three days of environmental protection that I never used. So, yeah.
1: But I like to think most of the things I put invested in are things that are going to come up again. I mean.
4: Yeah. I'm hoping that we run into difficult terrain at some point again.
1: I thought about that feed actually. The one, the, the 20 feet, of the ignore the 20 move. feet. Yeah. yeah. I thought about that yeah, one. but too. But I tend to be in the rear, so it doesn't impact me quite as much. And the riding saddle also gets around it. And Cheddar has jump jets. So you yeah. can be in the riding that, saddle. Oh my gosh, that is
2: <laughs> awesome.
1: I can fly in this in the riding saddle in short bursts.
2: That's a get out of dodge uh, maneuver.
1: That is, oh God. Jump jets that, are that, great. That riding saddle yeah. is the greatest thing ever. I'm so happy you chose that. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna get wacky. It's 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 oh, I say. always figure if I want to send Cheddar into melee, I can kinda of jump off in mid mid turn or whatever. So yeah. the only tuddled, downside is we gotta Tunnel leaping off levels, and
2: man. like t- rolling in a ball as Cheddar goes into combat.
1: You do have kip up, so you can just stand up. Wow, this really worked out well because you can literally jump off kip up. Man, Deploy the mouse. Yeah, that's good, man. Or Moxie, not Kip-Bob, Moxie. But you know what I meant. It's like, the same thing. Yeah, 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 it's a it's racial version thing. of the same concept. Yeah. Wow, that is... Yeah, I think we're starting to get the synergies down and uh, starting to figure out, like... It's a new system. It's like anytime you have a new system... like when we're playing 10 years, 20, 30 years of Pathfinder, D&D, it's like we knew every single way to build these characters but now it's like we're starting to figure out like the little intricacies of how to like optimize a little better and sort of in other words we broke out the serious drugs now well (laughs) (laughs) well also now you have enough you're now enough levels and you can actually start fooling around with cool things
3: what I wanna know is when you can put on the sidecar on your Cheddar motorcycle, your cheddar chopper.
1: Oh, that'd be good. Oh,
3: oh my god.
4: We can all put on a bunch of sidecars, we could all ride.
3: Oh yes. Yeah. So, you know you can you can just stretch those out a bit.
1: You can't. Cheddar could have a second passenger, but it would have to be a size smaller than him. So I'd have so if I had like a pet monkey or something, I could let him ride side. Ooh, a mini me. Like cheddar. a sprite and chim chim thing going on. <laughs> Oh maybe you can shrink down. We can find someone to shrink down Mo or Rusty or Hiroji. Or Grow Cheddar. Or <laughs> grow cheddar, that's true too. Oh my god, that would be horrible. Like a large Ooh, size, cheddar. Cheddar. <laughs> size cheddar giant size
3: cheddar That'd be great. That I think that's amazing. our goal. Jeez. That's our main
1: goal in life, I think.
0: Dream big dreams, my friends. <laughs>
1: oh my god. Alright, so you guys sound fifth level, that's the magic level, because you guys sound awesome now. Awesome, and everyone attacks. Well, I'm
3: too. I'm eighth, I'm eighth level at this point. Yeah.
1: Oh, except for yeah, Rusty's eighth. Level. Right, you're multi-class too. Uh,
3: well, yeah, it's it's a complicated bill, but I wanted uh, maximum efficiency, of course. Of course.
1: So, you guys all meet up, compare notes. You guys are scared of Rusty because he looks like a, a god at this point because he's just glowing from awesomeness. Sure enough, you meet up with Doctor Starney and Waylos. And the administrator, what's her name again? Oh, Mahali. And they are happy to report that everything's in order. They got all their notes. Wayless is sad to see you guys go. Because he understands you're probably leaving at this point. Probably go back to your exciting life in the Starfinder Society. And uh, before he goes, he wanted to give you something. He, and he goes up to, uh, he goes up to Rusty. And and he says... Um, Mr. Rusty, here you go. I, I, I wrote down all your favorite recipes so that you can make them whenever you want. I have everyone's <laughs> in there. Uh, all the different monkey brains and the monster sushi and uh, that special like vitamin kick that I was making just for you uh, Rusty to take care of that problem. You know. Um... Uh,
3: yeah, no, no, that's fine. Uh, Wayless. <laughs> this is exceptional work. I'm really very very pleased. I actually want you to know even though of course I wasn't required to do it. I've Written you a letter letter of recommendation to express to any future employers of yours that you did an adequate job while you worked. For them. Adequate. Wow. <laughs> I hand him I, I hand him a piece of paper and I say that's fine. You know now uh, it's you know in the future I will actually suggest that you try not to be a little so forward. You know and stand a little farther back. But at the same time I think you did an okay job. <laughs> wow, that is awesome.
4: And and you of course are going to make those recipes yourself, right?
3: Well, I I, uh, I'll save the uh, recipes and you know give it
4: to your next valet. At some
3: point, my staff will take care of that. Right, (laughs) your personal valet will.
1: Well, well, thank you, thank you, uh, Mr. Rusty. It it means a lot to me. Actually, just just going on the adventure will pretty much make my career, especially because I survived. (laughs) How about that? Well, and
3: and that's what you were paid in was the experience, so that's fine.
1: Oh, and that's that's all I expected was experience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm quite, quite happy, as uh, I'm quite on my track to full tenure at this point, as, you know, I have experiences that no one else can have. In fact, I, I've been contacted by some of the leading journals and even some talk shows in the local area to talk about my adventures with you. <laughs>
3: um, I should remind you of the non-disclosure agreement that you signed at the beginning of it. Well, Well, look, you know what? No, whatever you need to do, that's fine. Don't worry
1: about it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Rusty. Uh, I think I'll be fine after this all. Uh, I I I appreciate everything you've done for me. And then he uh he also gives everyone in the party a little uh token of appreciation. It's like a a little homemade like chachki that he just made from some of the things. So, like there's a little bit of like, you know, During the adventures, it's like a scrapbook, like a little scrapbook thing he makes for everyone. (laughs) You know, something for Mo, something for Hiroji. Hiroji finds little scraps from all the monsters he's killed is in there. And Mm. like, uh, you know, so you have another scrapbook of that. And then for Tuttle, he gives him some uh, scientific items some like leaves and other rare items that you can only find in the jungles that you guys are in, things like that.
2: Decorate our ship with some of this stuff. This is great.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then for Mo, he just gives you some, like, uh, some, like, weapon fragments, things like that. Again, a little little collage to remember him by and the and the journey you took to get I'll see you again when I come back for my degree. Oh, that that'll be great. Uh, maybe I can be your uh, TA. That would be fantastic.
2: Boy, this guy's got big dreams, I'll tell you.
3: Yeah. Hiroji will need some tutoring, so... That's cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
4: I can
1: teach at Starfleet. <laughs>
3: okay, sure. That's great.
4: Those who
1: don't know. Anyhow, and Solstarney is also super excited. She thanks you so much. She's already planning her next trip back to the temple. She's actually strangely disappointed that she didn't get to stay there longer because she could spend her whole career there, even though it was a horrible ordeal and she was kidnapped and tortured and, you know, Uh, was facing death, uh, you know, constantly. Other than that, it was really great, and she's actually happy that she came out of it alive. But she also knows that her career is also now set forever. And she also says, if you guys ever need help with anything, just let me know. I'll be happy to try to uh, give you any information on uh, uh, your continuous quest
3: actually is there anyone here in the university who knows anything about the asteroid belt
1: oh yes of course uh you also know that i mean you do have space google so like you know you can take a 20 on anything as long as you have connections to the outside world so and you have time so but they definitely have people who are experts why what 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 do you need to know uh how can we help you
3: Uh, we've traced a signal to such and such a location, which I show it to her, and anything, any information you might have about that region would be very, very helpful.
1: Oh, I'll tell you what I can do. I'm going to go check out with some of the uh, associate professors, and I'll get back to you. I I hear you're going back to the station, so uh, what I'll do is uh, I'll radio some of the information to you uh, on your trip back, unless you want to stay here for a few days. Oh,
3: God, no. I mean, no, no, thank you. That's very kind of you to offer.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Sounds good. And with that, she uh, Maholi gives you back, you know, gives you your credits, gives the honorary degree information to uh, to uh, Hiroji, so he. Can so come actually, back.
4: it's an it's an actual honorary degree.
1: Well, you're going to come back for three years, and then you'll actually get a full scholar. It's a full scholarship, actually. So not what
4: does that. that does that have any practical
1: effect? game? Yeah, effect yeah, learned knowledge. you'll find out it could it could have a practical effect later on
4: how can can I can I do uh, online courses so I can do it quickly sure sure
1: she's like oh yeah of course of course we have online you can you can start your education now and uh yeah you there's some of it's it's like self-paced so you can start that because there's a lot of those long space flights that takes you days or weeks even to get places so yes excellent she's totally set you up with that so you can start your degree ahead of time oh by the way what field of study are you interested in mr hiroji death and destruction (laughs) <laughs> death and destruction, archaeology, excellent. We got it. We got lots of that. We got we got alien archaeology, space archaeology. There's twenty thousand. There's a hundred different levels of archaeology. We'll find you the one that deals with like you know death and destruction and the history of killing.
4: Yes, I don't I think she was
1: really listening, was she? <laughs> Yeah, yeah Mo, she was. She, she was listening. Mo
2: of. pounds on the uh, ground with the uh, the foot of his pike uh, when he hears that. He likes that a lot. He respects that. <laughs> that's the first thing that's uh, been said that he understands. Actually, so
1: so with that, um, you guys can go back to your ship if you're ready. I mean, you could stay here and shop. I mean, anything you really need is here. You got some credits. Um, you did buy a few things obviously some of you bought a couple of minor things other than that let me know if you just want to go back to the station chisex we didn't sell anything
4: right we haven't really sold anything
1: we
3: sold everything
4: you sold everything (laughs) you sold it all wait what we're done
3: with shopping we're done with selling we did buying we're done with
1: all that you can buy stuff at epsilon if you want
3: uh offline later
4: on i don't really need to buy anything i'm good
1: Yeah, um, I mean, pretty much everything was all that stuff, like the extra armors, the swords, the guns, all that was sold. Like, um, we uh, well, I, someone
4: kept that one d ten short ranged gun, right? That yes,
1: me. the disintegrator okay. pistol was kept. The d suit was kept. The psychic booster was kept. Yes, um, everything else was sold.
4: I'm waiting for the day that Rusty uses that weapon. He has to be like 15 feet away from the enemy to do that. So,
3: I well, I mean. I've always bravely been as close to the enemy as is practical.
4: I've been
2: dragging around a arc pistol and it's not coming to play even though it does spread damage. So, um we want uh, you
3: up in the monster's face.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh anyway, uh one thing that Mo was going to do, uh he he's kind of cheesed off that these guys got the better of us and he is keeping tabs on the news feeds for any news about uh i think the Starfinder society is the place to go but he's also looking to see um how wide the news has spread of uh these guys the the, the, the i'm sorry the discovery that they made of uh
1: about the 12 stars oh the yeah so to recap i mean jason went through it last week with what you discovered basically Let's do a quick recap. Oh, no. Yeah, you can do a recap, but he's uh, he's
2: more interested in the Starfinder Society's reaction to the news of this.
1: Well, that you'll probably need to find out when you get to meet Chis X, because he's not going to discuss that publicly.
2: Oh, that's not a, on an open channel? Okay.
1: No. But the discovery of the Temple of the Twelve, that has definitely been in the news, but that's more like been on like page 12. You know, that's definitely not that's not, that's been like fun facts, you know. It's it's nothing big. It's more like yeah, oh cool, they found this cool temple and they're doing some research and it was pre-gap. But to be honest, there's a lot of that in the jungle like in the Ukalam. That's pretty standard. So this one's kind of neat, but other than, you know, like a few mentions, it's barely been barely been mentioned in the news. Right. Okay. And nothing that you guys did was mentioned like it's completely uh washed over it's it's like oh mm. you guys found this cool thing in the jungle it doesn't mention you it just is like a oh. a a expedition from the university you know it's it's completely like <laughs> this is a wrong that is needing of a
2: right i can see where the next adventure is going we have to correct this Correct. I'd have Wait. So.
3: Next adventure. I thought the Starfinder Society paid us and we're rich and we retire.
2: Um. No. That that hasn't quite happened huh. yet. We there's been an injustice and we have to right this wrong. We've been left out of the news.
3: So. Uh, How much? Oh, well, that is terrible. I am actually very upset by that. I
1: must. That say. is tragic. So, anyhow, quick quick recap of last time because. This is actually kind of the key point, is that you find a Temple of the Twelve and the research that Solstarni found, as well as Tahomen, who did send it off to something in the asteroid belt, the Diaspora, and basically found out that the Temple of the Twelve was an observation. They actually had telescopes there, and that actually was at the top of the mountain. And they discovered this strange constellation of 12 stars that formed a perfect circle in the sky. And the more they studied the constellation, the stranger their dreams became. And they started to record this odd language they saw and heard. And that odd language is actually the the runes that you found on the Drift Rock and in the temples. So this is an unspoken language by even the elves. They d- they didn't know what it was. They recorded it from the Drift Rock. So that's that's where that language came from. And in conjunction, when they were trying to figure out where this, like, what this this Gate of Twelve Suns is, they think that it somehow had, it either was some power to serve a portal to some super weapon or maybe it had a demon behind it that would destroy all lives and it was locked up all they know is it looks like it's a gate to something so there's either something really really good behind that gate or really really bad and it looks like the the devourer is not the um Yeah, the cultists, they want to go and open this gate or at least find it because they think there's something really bad behind that gate that can destroy, you know, most if not all life in the universe. And obviously, whoever built this thing had insane technology because they were able to move 12 suns into a circle and then build a portal of some sort. So this is way advanced technology, way, way, way Millions of years past what you guys can do. Even the most yeah. advanced people in the pack worlds. This is way beyond your pay grade. So that's it.
3: In all the confusion, actually, I think I may have just actually missed something or whatever, but did we ever fully translate Zanz's report on the ancient Elvish species, which was the actual mission to begin with, that we were going to find that one old report written by a guy named Zan's, who was the only one who ever wrote about those ruins, did we ever actually, the reason we couldn't translate it is that we needed uh, Dr. Sistarni.
1: Well, actually, what ended up happening is the stuff that you needed to translate would help you get to the Temple of the Twelve, and what happened is he talked about it in general terms, and he didn't keep, like, all of his notes, and you have the original notes, where or she had the original notes. The original notes was used to help decipher what you discovered, No, no, I know
3: we had a couple little handouts describing things, and they actually helped. I thought that actually was more that we needed her to translate or get or get more information. It was
1: to get the information that you actually, I just told you. Okay. Okay. Right.
3: Uh, there was nothing more to Zanz's notes, necessarily. It was actually no. the temple that had the information.
1: Okay. In the end, right, Zanz's notes was not a MacGuffin, but kind of a MacGuffin. Like it no, really no, it was, was a breadcrumb. The, it was a it was breadcrumb, a breadcrumb. Right. right, yeah, yeah to course. get to the temple.
3: No, I'm just making sure I didn't miss that we had no. been told, we need to get the rest of his notes and find more information. Yada, yada.
1: No, no, like, basically, his notes were no better than, so, so Starni was, like, better than the notes and the information you yeah. found. And uh, everything okay. about this temple was dedicated to this, like this portal, these 12 suns, you know, everything is dedicated to this. So you found that as much as you can for now. The rest of it has to do with constellations and prayers and life in the village. You know, a lot of that stuff you don't really need to know nor care about. So And,
2: and the bad guys that are trying to open the gate, uh, is that the death cultist?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So the oh, Death Cultists, uh, the Cult of the Devourer, which pretty okay, much went to... Right. And you guys actually know a little bit. Actually, if you guys want to know a little bit about the Cult of the Devourer, you can do that. You can guys give me a culture check All on right. that one. Here, allow oh, a me culture you...
2: check or a mysticism check? I, did a I can check.
4: do it. take a 20 and get 29.
2: Oh, yeah, let's take twenties.
3: Here, let me assist you with my culture knowledge, <laughs> which I actually have now.
2: Well, before the culter, uh, the cult of the devourer opens the gate.
4: Mo's gonna go through it because there's treasure. <laughs> <laughs> so if you assist me, it'll be a thirty-one.
3: Yeah, I only have. Hold on, I have a plus five. Let me just roll a d twenty. There you go.
1: It's
4: a thirty-one.
3: Yep.
1: So yeah, the culter devourer—they're like one of the most. Feared and rivaled organizations in the pack world, and clear evidence of its ravages can be found in the fringes of inhabited space throughout the galaxy. Colts have been around for eons, pre-gap even, and although cells rarely last more than a few decades, its devotees wage a non-stop war to destroy all existence in the name of their god, the, the Devourer and in most cases the cult can be thought of as like a hurricane on a low-tech world it comes in with little warning damages destroys everything in its furious path and then weakens and breaks apart for no apparent reason Nevertheless, the Cult of the Devourer is more than a mere storm. It's a widespread interstellar and interspecies organization plotting the downfall of all civilization as part of the broader path to end existence itself. Although the cult is made up of largely anarchists, its efforts are surprisingly well coordinated and carefully considered. Only by understanding the underlying motives through uh, rogue organization of the cult's various cells, divine agents and sects, can the true threat of the cult of the Devourer be understood clearly. They have no basic headquarters, no leader that you know of. It's very chaotic. And just by the fact that it's chaotic, it's hard to know exactly how they set up or what they're They just sort of appear and try to kill people and then disappear. They're really just pure chaos. That's all they are that just wants to kill and destroy and maim. And you guys know that because everyone you've killed, they seem to welcome it whenever they die. They seem to be happy, including the guy Hiroji snipered in the face. So there's lots of sex. There's like different sex and there's different like... You don't know a lot about those, but supposedly there's like different organizations within it. The one thing you do know is that they do specialize in those really nasty weapons which you manage to get. They have things like those disintegrator pistols that is pure evil and only someone like Rusty oh that's right, Rusty, would get. And they have disintegrator rifles. They have Disintegrator Cannons, believe it or not. And How about a Vertoran B Disruptor? That is what those <laughs> all are. That's what they yeah. are. That was just on uh, yesterday. I just watched that episode, by so the good. way. Um, and they even have these weird melee weapons called Ghoulish Pain Claws. They're, they're kind of like almost undead claws that they put on their hands, and then they put injections. You can actually inject poisons and other horrific things into the claws, so they both attack you, scrape you, and then inject you at the same time. They seem like just lovely people. Yeah. 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 And they even have their own fusions, things like Annihilators, and, um... Yeah, they have a bad... Actually, you know what, Chris? It is that. They actually specialize in disintegration techniques, and they even have fusions... That will fully disintegrate people on death. So, nice. There you go. I like that. I want that. Okay, it's a little above your pay grade. They're very hard to find, and yep, lots of fun stuff. So there you go. That's that's who basically is trying to find this 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 gate. So that's who you're sort of after.
3: Uh, when was the actual last? Hold on. I mean, it's an astro- It's an astronomical. It's something that was seen in the sky from probably everywhere in the pack world. When is the actual recorded year in which somebody actually saw it in the sky?
1: Saw so what?
3: The 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 actual like gate of twelve, the twelve stars that could actually be seen from here. There are twelve stars in the night sky in a perfect circle. There should be an astrology, sorry, an astronomy report somewhere about the last. Time that, that is the seen. interesting
1: thing. Everything you've searched so far shows nope. There is no idea. Oh. It's never been reported. <laughs> this is the only place it was reported, and they were using mystic techniques and magic, and they did not write down the exact location or how, where to find it. And so far can't, in all your notes, there's nothing ever been recorded like this. It might not.
3: It vanished during the gap.
1: No, it might not be in your galaxy.
3: Oh, okay. Okay. I had thought that actually, well, it was known. Oh, so here it's not in the it was night sky. Here. Yeah. Okay. It's no. It no. Us. It was known of. That they, makes they sense. They talked about it, of course. That's right.
1: Yeah, we. They're actually. They used it and found it through mysticism and divine intervention, and no one has ever seen this or know where it is, and that is actually why they got some of these notes to try to find where this thing is. So right now. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise you guys could just go there now, but no one has any idea where this thing is, and it's never been recorded. And put it this way it's never been recorded in post gap history. Now, remember the post gap history of the galaxy? You've probably recorded maybe like 0.01% of this galaxy, because what is there, 100 million or 100 yeah, billion stars? Are big. Yeah, Yeah. like, you guys... At least a thousand. Yeah, at least. But you know what I mean? Like, you have no idea where it could be. It could be the other side of the... It could be in another galaxy. And you guys do know that you can transmute between realms. You know, there are like, different realms of existence. Like, you know, the realm of Earth and fire and wind and air and all those other realms. And that's what happens when you do drift travel. So this thing could be anywhere. It could be interdimensional for all you know.
3: But... Okay, I think our new mission now, guys, is we're going to find the Circle of Twelve, and then we'll finally bring order to the galaxy. Uh,
1: Is
2: there money in that? What's what's that pay?
3: Once we've harnessed its powers to rule it ourselves. Infinite. All of the money. Well, in your case, 5%. Okay, that's a little bit more like it.
1: So, R- Rusty's, like, going to the dark side, I think. He's...
3: I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm obviously concerned about all these poor people that might be influenced by this horrible cult that sounds just awful.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Rusty's secretly thinking, how do I become the leader of a leaderless cult? Anyhow, are you guys going to go off into your spaceship?
2: Yeah, let's go to uh, Absalon and find out what these uh, Starfinder guys think of this, uh, this stuff.
4: All right. I can't wait to get behind the uh, stick again. Oh, God. It's been too long. Yeah, it has.
1: Ta-da! You guys are back on your ship.
4: Yay! Where's, where's my captain's
1: quarters? I
3: immediately sit down in the captain's chair, and I don't budge.
1: You know, it takes, like, let's see how many days it takes to get back. Oh, it's only going to take one day. <laughs> nice. Rusty, you do,
4: you do know that that's an honorary title, right? It's just Take uh, your seat, off. It's now. just a play. It's a placeholder.
3: <laughs> that's it. I'm making an intimidate roll against uh, Hiroji.
2: Yeah, Mo pretty much believes Rusty is the captain of the ship now. Mm.
3: That was a terrible intimidate. I rolled a three. I mean, three. It's still a seventeen, but all right, that's fine. So maybe you won't baby today.
1: Tuttle Tuttle scrambles to calm so that Rusty's commands come out in like really high helium voice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sit down and get to your station right now.
4: I am going to start talking to Rusty in, in the oxygen just for fun.
3: Okay. This is Rusty's reply.
4: I'm like, I speak this language that no one else speaks, and I want to say some things about Rusty. He smells really bad today. <laughs> he must have been in the sun for a little too long. I, the odor is hard to take
1: in close quarters I now. Don't,
3: I don't react at all, but I do get up and I go to my quarters immediately.
1: And I <laughs> Wow. So, so oh, the chair's up for grabs. <laughs> <laughs> I will <be> command. <laughs>
3: Mr. Cheddar, you have the con.
1: Security. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so one day goes by. You still don't get the information back from uh, the university from Solstarney, because uh, it's only been a day. You guys get back pretty quick. And you are back on the station. Ta-da! You're back on Absalon Station. So. Excellent. Uh, you have been ordered or requested to go see Chissex as soon as you arrive. Let's go.
2: Oh, yeah. Definitely. He's our first
1: stop. And ta-da! You're at uh, Chissex's office.
2: Oh, wow. Moe's already sitting down. Moe's already
1: sitting down. Already, <laughs> He's already getting the donuts and coffee. Yeah. He's putting his oh, feet yeah. up. He,
2: he got there a little early, and all the best donuts have been taken for some
4: oh, man. Years. Or like a Bavarian cream.
2: <laughs> oh, those are so long gone.
1: Bavarian creams are gone. Uh, Sorry,
2: they just... Uh, all it's left is the powdered sugar. The
3: <laughs> powdered sugar donut. Uh,
1: or like the dry cinnamon ones. Or anything uh, with coconut. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh,
1: yeah. You got the coconut donuts.
3: Well, good morning, Mr. Chizix. Ms. Chis. Good Good morning, Chiswick's. Whatever.
1: Chisick's looks over to you. The host, Sharon looks at you and seems to be distressed, actually. Uh-oh, what'd we do? Just ex- not at do it wall and says, Yes, yes, uh, we, we have been following your progress and looked at all your notes and data, and I can tell you that we are extremely concerned of the prospect of the Cult of the Devourer finding a weapon like this stellar degenerator that we too believe this might lead to the stellar degenerator was something we found in the archives something of myth and legend that could actually destroy an entire solar system something like that was obviously locked up behind something as impenetrable as a gate of 12 suns but with now some information leaking, I can only imagine it's a matter of time before others start to get involved in this hunt. And Chislyx looks, looks around and, and its antennae sort of like move back and forth in clear agitation. Um, I I really, I must insist that that you go to this cult's base in the diaspora so that the Starfinder Society can determine just how much information the cult has and how its members might be planning to act on it and, and if it's nothing else uh, the find of the Gate of the Twelve Suns and the Stellar Degenerator would be such a major discovery. It would be an achievement of historical proportions, both for you and the Starfinder Society. You, you would go down in the annals of history as the greatest explorers uh, ever.
2: All right. That's, that's a well and good for a start. What
4: Moe is trying to say. Yeah, I mean... Mo needs to get paid. He's yeah. yeah the, the, you know, it's hard to put a figure
2: on this, but...
3: Chizix, Chizix, Mo, Mo's being very crest. What he really means to say is, with incredibly dangerous and intricate problems, we're going to need more, more effective means to actually fight them. Yes which involves sometimes some investment it's awesome
1: <laughs> yes yes that is a great bluff <laughs> I, I, I i i fully understand and and we have uh putting together sponsors and uh, other interested parties to help fund this expedition uh if if you go to the diaspora and uh see what you can find out i promise you each uh, a reward of two thousand credits each and mm. uh and in addition we uh, we are setting up shop to retrofit your ship so we can improve its functionality and increase at least double its firepower and capacity.
2: Oh, that's more like it.
3: That's what we like. Um, that is better, I must
2: have. Yeah, Mo is on board with the... Uh, uh, the powerful ship. How long uh, is that something that we uh, we do before uh, we set out, or is that something that you're gonna have to set up first? And, no, you know. what,
1: what we should do is we're going to be setting up and finishing up the final touches on the upgrade bays, and we will send you the information, and you can put together a wish list of parts and materials you might wish to install on your ship, and we will explain what we have uh, access to. So from a metagame point of view, we will go through and you guys can level up your ship the same way you can level up your characters.
3: Woo-hoo. Nice.
1: And do we have to phrase this
2: wish so that it can't be misinterpreted? It's actually going to be very easy.
1: In <laughs> <And laughs> shipbuilding rules, you have tiers, and your ship is currently at tier three. And tier three have a certain number of build points. So everything on a ship requires build points. So better weapons, better armor, like everything just requires more. So it's like Master of Orion or, you know, any of those games you played. Like, you know, oh, you want this type of weapon? Well, that costs this. And you guys right. can sort of mix and match and decide how you want to build the ship. And so, for example, if they, like, I, I forget how much your, your ship might have something. Like, let me look. I'll get tell you real quick. I want a tier 11 ship. That is my first wish. <laughs> Yeah,
3: I'm actually now worried about most concern. I'm thinking, like, I want the biggest and most deadly guns in, in, possibly on the ship, and it turns out they point inward towards the cabin at us. At yeah. all sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, you have a Tier 3 ship, which gives you 95 build points, which was already built, and you'll probably get, like, a Tier 5 or 6 or maybe even 7 ship. Probably 6. That's 155 build points. You literally get another... What is that? Uh, 65 60 build points. Sorry, 60 build points to fool around with. And we'll go through this, like uh, how you guys do this. But you guys can build the ship to your specifications. And whether you want to have more powerful scanning, or more powerful shields, or better weapons, there's a lot of cool things you can add to your ship.
2: Um.
4: Yeah, I, I, um, and and maybe take some stuff away too because I think we have some, some of the guns we have seem pretty junky. Like the ones that, I mean, the turret is great, but like all the other guns are not good. Well, yeah. The, like the, maybe add it, like get rid of the front forward the facing flanking. gun. Well, get another turret, get some missiles.
2: We got to look yeah. at our, uh, Add our options.
1: Um, this is something we can work on now, and then when you come back—assuming you come back—or after you finish your little uh, trip to the uh, asteroid belt, you guys can uh, upgrade your ship. For now, you should be fine with what you have. Okay, so, so we're not doing this now, right? No, it's going to take forever. So okay, it's not oh, something okay. that we can do that offline. It's a whole new system, and it's pretty involved. Because you mean not in the core rules? It's in the core rules. Oh, and, yeah. But okay. it basically, basically, you have points and then you use those points to build up the ship. But there's a lot of things you can build right. up. It could be like <laughs> a
4: computer, yeah. the drive, yeah. the
1: shield, the, the, the hull. We're,
2: we're a packed world style, correct? You're what? We're a packed world style ship, correct?
1: Yeah, your ship that's frame. Is preset. There's a couple of things like you can change. Like you can't change the frame and it automatically has like hit points. Certain aspects of the ship are automatically built because you have the frame. It's really more to do. Really, it's going to be like the weapons. You know, it'll be the weapons and some other cool capabilities. Yeah, like other offensive capabilities or cool defensive capabilities. But just the actual. Or even like the energy, like how much power, because like the more power you put into it, the better the shields. But then you can't have as many weapons. You'll see, it's it's exactly like building a ship in in you know like you know uh, like any of those online games, like the you know the yeah. four four X games, like the Moo games, things like that.
4: So. Can we build a Delta flyer?
1: Sure, if you want a shuttlecraft. I want to build a yeah, galaxy
2: trucker and. Tow a lot of of uh, uh cargo.
1: Okay.
3: I'd like a cap- <laughs> escape cas- capsule. Hmm.
1: Yes. So your yes. little it's a like a little capsule that goes just appears around your uh, seat and then uh, you know there actually are escape capsules on the ship by the way. So yes.
2: Yeah, we well. want an escape capsule that will take uh, Rusty to safety. That will he will just drift. <laughs> that'll he he will just drift along, you know. While the while the ship continues to move, uh we'll
1: just drop him. Yeah. And you guys do have the uh the hollow suites. You do have the uh the hollow deck there.
4: Oh yeah, I spent a lot of time in there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: it's
4: it's a little It's
2: difficult. not real. It's not real. It's really disgusting in there. Yeah. All right, so uh Anyhow. All right, so the ship stuff happens later. Um
1: Ship stuff will happen later. 2,000 credits each will happen later. I like that. We're not up front? Not up front? No, not yet. And she just needs time to gather the resources, and we're gathering uh, sponsors and additional parties concerned about the cult's threat. Keep in mind the Starfinder Society is still rebuilding, so we need to spend some time and show them the threat that is uh, in existence. They also have to hold a bake sale.
4: Yes, that too. You know, Astral Extractions has deep pockets, you know.
1: Oh, yes, Uh, yes.
3: Yeah. I I still actually uh, prefer the uh, the, hard
4: scrabble or whatever. Yeah, the union.
3: The Union boys. I honestly think that, A, they're probably all criminals, which means they have better contacts. But also, they're probably more widespread and have figures and more pies at all levels of society.
1: Anyhow, so with that, is there anything else you wish to buy or get before you go on your suicide? I mean, your mission.
2: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where are
1: they sending this? Oh, Yes. You actually get some information back. <laughs> you know,
2: let's let's, let's, fa- let's pay attention now to the environment
1: <laughs> before we actually just go. So you do get information from Castravel from Solstarni, and she was able to determine the approximate location of the Devourer Cult's base in the Diaspora. It appears to be somewhere in the treacherous stretch of of several hundred asteroids known as the Field of the Lost. Mm, Okay.
4: Sounds great.
2: Sounds like an awesome place. Let's see.
3: Excellent directions.
1: Uh, Fortunately, we want to know more. Yes, there's a reliable drift beacon that floats just outside this region of the asteroid belt. But without an exact location, you're going to have to search the Field of the Lost for clues to find the Devour Cult's base. There's several hundred asteroids. It was on one of them, and you need to know, figure it out. As for the asteroids themselves, they range anywhere from completely airless to some of them are big enough that they have a thin atmosphere or low gravity. You would think, they think that probably most illegal bases are usually put on asteroids with thin gravity and... a thin gravity. (laughs) With with low gravity or thin atmospheres. Thin atmospheres, you can actually breathe in, but you have to take a fortitude save or you can get fatigued. But don't forget, you guys do have your suits, and those do work in space. So even if there is no um, atmosphere, you should be okay. All right. Um, what
2: is, what do you mean by low gravity? Do we have a figure for that?
1: Yeah, if you have low gravity, a lot of these low gravities, you can carry like two, three, four, five times more, and you can jump really high, and your thrown weapons go like ten times farther. Nice. That's basically it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be somewhere in there. Um, If you have any specific questions... Feel free to ask or look. You can look it up yourself. Well, now I'm
2: thinking about some Falcon boots right now. Those, I think, are a little still pricey.
4: We have mag boots that we come with.
1: Yeah. What, the thing what, about what, Falcon what, boots, yeah. Falcon boots allow you to set your own personal local gravity basically perpendicular to any surface. So you can just walk on any surface. That's cool. But as we learned the hard way, you can wear you know with your with your suits and your armor first you you know you can survive in void of space right. and you know a lot of these places could have anywhere from no sunlight to dim to regular sunlight uh, just depends where they are you know they're asteroids they they can be anywhere they can be in permanent shadow, they can be facing the sun they could you know it's it's completely random what you got
2: um Okay, um I'm just thinking about what we might need for this uh equipment wise. That makes sense. Uh yeah, I've got infrared sensors. Okay, so that's good for that for the no light. I'm trying to think of what else. Okay, so
1: Falcon boots
2: are three thousand. Oh, never mind. That's a lot. Yep. Uh is that in the core rules?
1: No, that's in adventure. Yeah, it's, Path- I can't World. find it. I was gonna say, oh, say pack worlds or something. Yeah, it's in. I, I actually um, have. Yeah, I'm gonna give you this. Well, there's a thing that I have. I have access to everything. So it's also in Hero Lab if you just buy everything.
2: Yeah, so we all have a space flight, a uh, space suit. Uh, no, what, what's the uh, space station yeah. fight, flight gear or something? It's not on my character. It's never been on my what do you mean,
3: Space station flight gear? No. Yeah. What do you mean?
1: Space suit flight gear?
3: No. I'm looking for it. Hold on.
1: Uh, look at it under look under F. Flight suit station wear.
2: That's it. Flight suit station wear. Oh. Um, I think it was something we
1: started with. Yeah, I but... think that's like the cheapest starter armor you could get. Oh, okay. Maybe you didn't get it because you had better starting
2: armor. Maybe. Yeah. I just thought it was a, I thought it was outer, uh, <laughs> I thought it was outerwear, like, uh, like the, just like, you know, common clothes or something like that.
1: So you guys met with Chessex, you got the dealio, you kind of know where to go. There's a jump beacon right outside this field of the lost where there's only a couple of hundred asteroids you need to search, you know, it won't take long at all. And, yeah, are you going to buy anything, or are you guys just going to go and call it a day? Let's see what happens. We're not, I don't think we're going to buy anything, right? We're done with yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I, I don't know
4: the gear. Oh, well buying,
3: buying and selling is done offline. It's done.
4: Yeah. Okie dokie. Rusty spoke, so that must be the, the case.
3: Yeah. No, I, it's, it's what we've all agreed to three times and never done.
1: I'm just talking about if there was like things you wanted to buy quickly, like. Yeah, we didn't signs, know what the environment like was before yeah, we uh, Yeah,
2: that's completely got the new legitimate.
1: That's a new mission. That's what happens when you got a captain, a rogue
4: <laughs> captain. <laughs> <laughs> out of
1: control with power. <sighs> he is out of control.
4: Anyhow,
3: well, no, it's a player request, it's not the character.
1: Alright, so you manage to jump back into your ship, get it all fueled up, get some food and Fun times, board games, everything else. You find the beacon that you can jump to. It's going to take six days to get there, so you got a little bit of time to spare. Well, I got six
4: days of doing my online classes. That's right. That's right. Zeno archaeology.
3: That uh, you mean your University of Space Phoenix? Yes. Yeah.
2: Zeno
4: <laughs> archaeology.
2: Uh, Mo is going to ask uh, Rusty, "Where is his cabin now?"
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in my quarters at the moment.
2: Knock, knock, knock. Oh, come in. Hello, yes, I would ma'am. like to know if um, I'm okay sleeping where I was before, which is across.
3: the Yes, hall. that's fine. Actually, to be honest, we can now call that your cap, your room. Oh,
2: well, we'll need to share it with Oh, good. Of, crew,
1: of course. Thank so. you, sir. All right.
3: Of course, as you were.
1: All right. Thank you. Bye, bye. Mo's not selling like girls Sc- or vest scout cookies. Girl vest. <laughs> <laughs> we actually Liz- could all count? have our
4: own rooms. Like.
1: Well,
3: they have two beds in each one. They're intended, obviously, to be shared.
4: Yeah, but there's only four of us,
3: though. Well, five we count Cheddar.
4: So. Yeah, Cheddar's not going to be his own room. <laughs> well, cheddar is, should be cargo bay. There is an engineer. Actually,
2: a yeah, Cheddar can, a can actually be,
3: can run the ship while all four of us sleep. I think that makes sense. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Autopilot. Yeah, there's the I'm answer. not
1: sure he's that advanced. He's a, He's a smart guy, but I'm not sure he's that advanced.
3: Eh, only one way to find out.
1: That's actually a big discussion on the Paizo forums is, can a drone act as a crew member in combat? And the answer has been no. Um, Definitely no. no.
4: Can you hire henchmen like crew? Because it seems like we are under crewed in a way. You
1: could. You could. The ship can handle at least six. Yeah, you could. Well, look at the. If you see, there are six escape pods. So there you go. There's seven beds. How too. much uh, do you know offhand? As
2: you know, this is maybe too late to ask, but how much would a crew member cost for a six day voyage? Well, I don't know. I mean, if it's like 50 credits, then why not? You know,
1: let me check. I like to have a better edge. This is a nice ship. It's nice. I don't know. I would have to look it up, and it, it wouldn't be. Yeah, that cheap. I didn't think you knew. Yeah, I don't it know. That. To there to actually off is off rules it. for that, but uh, I gotta have to look that up. It's uh, it's not that cheap, and it's per day. It's better to find a, a woolhouse and um and uh, you know find. Oh, by the way, while you guys are traveling through space, and Mo, who's like said he's keeping track of things, you do read that Woolhouse just signed a huge deal to publish. All those recipes from the adventures in the uh, the jungles, and it's going to be Woolholz's jungle safari. Wow. Um, let's wow. hope it's yeah. it, it's worth
2: it to him because it's 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 going to cost him his life. Is, are we going to get a cut
1: of that? Yeah, no, that's the question. No, of course. Not. It's actually going to the university. All proceeds, he said, we're going to go to the oh, university and charity. You mean?
3: You mean all profits and then he does creative accounting so that 80% of the income is not profit. Yeah. Okay.
4: Right. Uh, Rusty, get on, get on the uh, uh, long range subspace to your lawyer, please. Let's get this.
3: Uh, Yes. I want to do that. In fact, I want to hire a lawyer. I I have some credits left.
1: Space Space (laughs) (laughs) lawyer. Well, keep in mind so far, everyone's been doing well. Let's see. Clara has, uh, she's been doing fantastic. Uh, the goblin who survived. He has. He also has a cooking show, but he's on TV. Woolholz has a cooking book deal, and uh, Solstarni is, like has enough research to last her a lifetime. You guys are really doing good work. You guys everywhere. We got, Midas, we got a Midas touch for everyone except ourselves. Exactly. That's right. You guys, whoever hangs out with you, either ends up dead or really rich and famous and powerful.
3: Yeah. And it seems more often the rich and powerful thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um. Anyhow, do you guys do anything else in your six day voyage? Do, do, uh, do, just study. Do, I study do, my do, classes. Do, 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 do. All right. Lots of, lots of calibrating the sensors. <laughs> Is that a euphemism for something? I just know they do that a lot on Star Trek. Calibrate That's right. We calibrate the sensors. Calibrate. Calibrate some more. Calibrate. Take care of those tachyons. Okay. You jump. some manifolds or something. I don't know. (laughs) You jump out of drift space, and sure enough, there you are in the remote and relatively hostile area of the Field of the Lost. Ahead of you, you look on the view screen, and sure enough, Hundreds of asteroids, all different shapes and sizes. What are you going to do?
4: I say uh, all crew members report to the bridge, please. I'm sure
1: we're we're completely safe in an area of space known for space pirates.
4: Yeah, everyone to the bridge. We got all hands on deck. Yes.
3: Thank you, Mr. Hiroji, for gathering the crew. I'll take it from here. (laughs) Um, I'd like you all to man your stations and give me a status report.
2: There are hundreds of asteroids. We were not prepared for this. Hundreds. Actually, fun
3: fact, there are tens of thousands of asteroids, Mr. Mo. More than you actually could possibly imagine.
2: Oh, wow. His mind
1: is
3: blown. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I was human-splaining to you. Uh, what, what I meant to say was uh, there are hundreds around here. Is that correct?
1: Well, yes. The, the asteroid field itself is gargantuan. And there's even small cities and towns uh, throughout the diaspora. But this area is known as the Field of the Lost. Uh, ahead of you, you see irregular chunks of rock and ice and occasional ominous fields of green and blue floating through an empty void with the vast field of stars for a backdrop. There are hundreds of asteroids in this area near this drift beacon. So where this occurred You have sort of a coordinate where you can search, but it's going to take a while. Like, it can take days, weeks. It's going to take a while to find. There's a beacon, right? That's what we're looking for? No, the beacon is what brought you here. The Drift Beacon brought you to this area. So now you're in the area, but now it's the equivalent of a needle in a haystack. Oh.
3: So can we do the, uh, well, let's do the data thing. Let's start scanning for life signs eliminate all
1: asteroids that don't have any. I'll, dev- I'll design a search pattern. Yeah,
3: actually, sure. this is all you, isn't it, Tuttle?
1: Yeah, I you can give me so. a computer's check to figure out what you're going to do and how you want to approach this tunnel. Well, tell me what you want to do, and then we'll do the computer check. That's how it's going to work. Basically, I want to kind of design a search pattern starting with, like, the larger asteroids scanning for signs of... Um, outposts or colonies or anything like that. Okay. Sweep the sector for loot. 19 on your computer's check. So you manage to program it, and you start the arduous task of scanning the asteroids, trying to see if there's any trace remnants. Grid 143. Exactly. Well, it's like 001. 002 zero, zero, two, zero, zero, three. You're just going through them all. This is going to take like a while. Quick
3: math. In one day, we'd go through 3,600 if it's one second like that.
1: No, it's not because you actually have to fly through and actually go and take time out. It's more like nah. a few minutes per, so it's going to take a little while. After an hour of going through and scanning, Mr. Tuttle notices a few peculiar blips on the starship's instrument panels that indicate irregular movement. Okay. Uh, Like asteroid movement or ship movement? or You double-check the blip, and you believe it appears to be a ship of some sort. Mm. There are red dots coming towards us. General alert for the green dot. I think we're the green dot. (laughs) Sound
4: at General Quarters.
1: Whichever one of you idiots is captain, I think we've got company. Battle stations.
3: All right, battle stations.
1: Hey, everyone, Steve here. So there we go. The intro to book three of the Dead Son's Adventure Path is complete. I do really like when we go from a new book in Adventure Path. As you guys know, we've been playing Adventure Paths for a long, long time and have played many of them in the Pathfinder system. But the big difference between Pathfinder and Starfinder is in Pathfinder, when you go from book to book, usually you'll change locales, but it's still in the Pathfinder world, so it's usually not that big of a difference. Usually, sort of the mood might change, the location, but in the end, it's still, well, I don't know, it's still in the Pathfinder world of Galarian, but the nice thing about Starfinder is that you can go anywhere. For example, Book 1, they were, like, in an urban environment, and then, like, on a ghost spaceship, and then this, like, asteroid... And then, obviously, in Book 2, they were in a university setting, and then they were in these Castorbellian jungles. Now, in Book 3, they're going to be going to, well, an asteroid field again, but this one is going to be different, trust me. And then, who knows, they're going to go really in different locations. And even you heard that they were not prepared when they went to the jungles of Castorbell because they didn't quite realize how different the environments were going to be and how much they really had to pay attention to that. And if you listen to our interview with John Compton yesterday, he even mentions that in Starfinder, you really have to pay attention to where you're going because there can be some real differences in the environment. For example, you can be in zero-G environment or you can be in a very cold environment or you can be on the lava planet or you can be in the jungles. And the way we play is I make sure that they have to have the right suits. You know, you see that in Pathfinder once in a while, but it's really mostly ignored. But I'm noticing in Starfinder that the environment really does play a big, big part in the game. And you're going to see that in book three quite a bit. I'm telling you right now, the environment is going to play a major role throughout this book. So, as for my GMPC tip this week, I'm going to talk about easy fights and why you should always have them for your PCs. Now, this actually happened in this week's show, which is not going to air for a while. But the guys were going around, they were exploring an environment, and they actually did it kind of differently. They kind of already did some of the harder fights, and somehow, I'm not exactly sure what happened, they missed the easy fight. Now, usually, the way these adventure paths are written is usually, I don't know, it's kind of usually they have a medium fight, and then usually a couple of easy fights, and it's usually a mixture of like easy, medium, easy, medium. And then usually, obviously, you have the boss or the mini-boss fight at the end. Somehow these guys, of course, did it the wrong way, and they ended up having one of the easiest fights left at the end, after they already went through some of the crazy, nasty fights. And I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe should just skip this fight. I don't know, it's a waste of like half an hour or an hour for them to do this fight. I don't know, maybe I should skip it. But, you know what, it's good to throw in those easy fights, and I'm going to tell you why. The first reason is the most obvious one is sometimes you just got to let the PCs win a fight, not just win it, but absolutely destroy the monsters and feel good about it. Because I tell you, especially in the Starfinder system, the numbers are really tight. And it can get really annoying when you're rolling a 12 or 13 or 14 and you're still missing the monsters because at the higher levels, you really need good numbers to hit them. And you do that round after round after round of missing, it can really wear down your players. And every so often, you need a fight, Where they're going in. The monsters aren't that hard. Even if the monsters crit them. It's not going to do that much damage. It's not going to one shot them. And they can roll a 7. And still hit the monster. And do damage. It's good. It's sort of like a palette cleanser. As a GM, you can go crazy if you know that these monsters are just not that strong. You can go all out, you can do the crazy attacks, you can do double attacks, you can have them do flanking, you can pull out every special ability they have, and deep down you know that you're probably not going to kill the PCs, or at worst, you're going to seriously damage them, but they're not going to die. And you can really let it all out, and then the PCs, they get to have fun. And you can actually usually hear in their voices, they're jumping around, they're having fun, they're like talking to each other, they're challenging who's going to kill the monsters first. Again, it's nice to just have an easy fight once in a while. And although it is tempting to skip the fight or secretly make the fight harder and add more hit points or add a new monster that jumps in or a pit opens up underneath them or something like that. But you know what? Don't do it. Just let them have an easy fight once in a while. It makes everyone feel good. It will even make you as a GM feel good, trust me. And just do it. Get a couple of easy fights in once in a while. I'm not saying every fight should be easy. It's also pretty nice to have an easy fight after they've had a couple of really hard fights that they just want to have a win. And the other thing is, they don't know it's going to be an easy fight. That's the thing, when a PC comes in, I've seen this many times, this actually happened to these guys, remember, they fought the Undead Elf, and they were thinking, okay, there's five of us, there's one guy, how hard can he be, and this guy was going to just destroy them, because he was way above their pay grade. I've seen them also then go the other way, where there's five guys, and they're fighting like 10 creatures, but I secretly know that these creatures aren't that hard, and this is going to be a really easy fight for them, and they get in really worried that, oh, there's 10 creatures, they're going to kill us, and then one of them goes down after like two hits, and they go, oh, that was easy, and then before you know it, they're all having fun, and they're challenging who's going to take which one down, and they're just running around the battlefield, taking attacks of opportunity, because they don't care, because they know that's not going to kill them. So again, it's nice it brings camaraderie to the group it makes everyone sort of joke and relax and like anything everyone likes to win so make sure you always throw in a couple of easy fights sometimes i'll even throw in an easy fight that's not even scheduled and just sort of throw it in there once in a while definitely do that with your guys everyone will appreciate it so we got some show notes for those of you are curious, yes, we are going to be doing some Pathfinder playtests. We do have a few shows recorded. The issue is it's August. Everyone goes away. I'm going away. Bob went away. John's going away. Everyone is away, and it's hard for us to do everything. We do have to continue recording Dead Sons. we got to finish this one up, so this one always takes highest priority. And actually, a lot of people now want to do society play, so i got a lot of those. And then, obviously, the Pathfinder playtest, i got to do that as well. So do look for those in the near future. I promise they are coming. Just pay attention to the podcast. We do have a lot of interviews coming up. I actually have an interview with Joe Passini coming up in a few weeks. He was one of the developers on Starfinder, and we're going to talk about Starfinder stuff. So look for that on the show. I know for a fact I'm also going to be talking to some of the other developers on the Pathfinder playtest. They have already been in contact with me, so I just got to work that out. Once I'm back from vacation, and I'll get them on the show very soon. In addition, don't forget, we have a new podcast every Tuesday. And we have Jason's Talking Combat Column every Thursday. So do check that out every week on the website. Do subscribe to us on iTunes and Android. And I do say, please, please, please... Please review the show on iTunes. It helps us out a huge amount. I see every week I ask for this, a few people do go on review it. It's really easy, it's really fast. Even if you don't use iTunes, I know a lot of you use Android. Do just quickly make an account, just write something nice. If you like the show, it helps us a lot in the rankings. Also, Big news on our discord channel i say it every week we have a discord channel where we play games and we talk about well everything are related well this week we were officially made a lodge what that means is we we're officially recognized to do starfinder and pathfinder society games ...on our Discord channel. So if you go to Discord.RollForCombat.com... ...you can join our games. We have a whole bunch of Pathfinder... ...playtest games going on right now. I know they're starting up some new Starfinder games. They're talking about doing some live games. I was just turned into a Venture Assistant... ...which means we're now officially recognized by Paizo... ...and we can take place in things like Game Day... ...get special boons, special prizes... ...things like that. So the roll for combat Discord channel... ...is now an official lodge for Pathfinder and Starfinder playtest, So do check that out. Also, don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Check out our Reddit channel. Check out our Patreon. We actually have a whole bunch of new people on there, and we're actually going to be redoing a little bit as well. And don't forget, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to write us. There's a form on the website, or you can go to the Discord because I'm there all the time. And I can answer any questions you might have. If there's a topic you would like me to cover on the PCGM tips, let me know. I'd be happy to cover a specific topic. Otherwise, I have to go pack because I'm going to be leaving on vacation very soon.
0: I will talk to you and see you guys next week. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Starfinder actual play podcast. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at RollForCombat.com or drop us a line at contact at RollForCombat.com You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord and other social media platforms been listening to roll for combat until next week always remember it's evil don't touch it